0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My mom was the oldest, or is the oldest, of seven children. And because my grandparents had so many kids, they lived on a lake because they couldn't really afford to take all seven children on vacation. So when we were growing up, we would get to go to my grandparents' house on the lake, And we loved doing that because they had a ski boat, which we learned how to water ski, and they had a 14-foot open boat with a 5-horsepower motor that the kids were allowed to take out. There was a candy store across the lake, so the big deal was to get in that boat, go to the candy store, buy candy, and come back. Big adventure. But in order to pilot the boat, we had to take a swim test. Even though we all wore life jackets, we still had to take a swim test. And we had to swim from my grandparents' docks down like five docks away and swim back. So all the grandchildren worked really hard to be able to do that. So every year my grandfather would come out and give a test to the grandchildren, and then he would jump in the water and he would swim underwater, way beyond the dock we were required to swim to. And all of us would stand on the dock waiting for him to reappear out of the water. And it would just seem like a long time. And we're thinking, something must have happened to him. And every year, it seemed like he went further and further. And then all of a sudden, he would come up out of the water, nose first, just gasping for breath. We were intimidated by this man. (laughs) Needless to say, he had other things that he, he kept a very tight rein on his children, and was the kind of grandfather where you were always walking a little bit on eggshells, but when you saw that demonstrated, it was like, okay, this guy is a superhero, and we better mind our P's and Q's, because God only knows what he would do to us if we didn't. So one year I got bold, and I went up to my grandfather, and I said, why do you do that? And he said to me, reminds me of my baptism. Now, I I heard that, and that was kind of it, and I didn't even know where to go with that. Didn't question him, didn't even begin to be able to process what that means. But now, having thought quite a long time about it, he was, we travel through murky, dark water, which is what the lake water is like, for long periods of time, almost holding our breath, certain points in our life, and then, we can find our way out up into the light, through the water, up into the light, and experience a rebirth of some kind, where we come out gasping for breath, feeling the life within us, a rebirth. That's what baptism is. It's a rebirth. But for most of us, we don't remember our baptism. And I'm pretty sure this is why my grandfather reenacted this feat every summer. So that he could viscerally incarnationally remember his baptism most of us were baptized as babies and we don't remember that experience and we don't remember being marked as christ's own forever we don't remember getting the grace that comes to us at baptism and so part of what the church needs to do is to continue the formation of the new Christians we bring into the fold through baptism, continue that formation as they grow as from children to adults. Because what we need to become aware of is what is that grace doing in our lives? Grace that we didn't even ask for, grace that our parents have given us for a variety of reasons. What is that grace doing in our lives? How does that grace change us and form us The Isaiah reading is a wonderful reading that can give us some great ideas about the grace that comes from God through baptism. Now for those of you out in the internet world, I'm gonna talk to you for the first time. I'm breaking the fourth wall or whatever that's called in theater. Get a Bible or get online. You can Google NRSV and find a NRSV Bible online and look up Isaiah 42 verses one through nine. So all of you out there, grab your bulletin. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Okay, we're gonna exegete this together. We're actually gonna look at the Bible, people. I know, (laughs) call me crazy. Okay, this is one of the servant poems in Isaiah. There's a lot of argument amongst the scholars and the commentators who this servant was. Was this a particular person? Is the author referring to Israel, the group of people? Well, I don't really need to get involved in that kind of scholarly debate. What's important to me is that Jesus embodies this servanthood that we see in this passage. So God said, here is my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. It's a gentle form of leadership. That the grace that comes to us in baptism embodies a gentle form of leadership. I think the reason I was so caught up with Maddie walking the Gospel book back up the aisle is I was thinking of those moments where we reach out to children to show them how to do something Picture a kid on a baseball team who strikes out. Picture the coach coming up to that child and comforting that child. And you know how they put their arms around a kid and show them how to hold the bat? And they have the kid's arms in theirs and then they help them learn how to swing a level swing? It's that kind of gentle guide, guiding, getting us back on the right path, showing us gently what to do. It's not creating a violent way of being or, or trying to, to force people into a path, but it's a gentle way of getting ourselves back on track. This is the leadership that we get from Jesus that brings us back into the fold, that gets us to come to church on Sunday morning, that helps us participate in a community, because we are Christ's own forever. So we have that, and we give that to each other, when we bring ourselves back onto the path in a gentle way. We we help that wick that not only do we not quench the fire, but we help build it back up when one of us gets discouraged. We put the passion of the light back into each other as we encourage each other and we surround each other when we need help, love, and encouragement. And where does this power come from to do this? It comes from the grace of God. And who is this God? We look back at the passage, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. What an incredible poetic version of how the universe came into being because in my limited physics knowledge, I think there was some big bang thing that stretched the heavens out. And this poet is saying just that. who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. My grandfather, when he came up out of the water after holding his breath for an unbelievable amount of time, sucked in the air of the earth, just like we do when we're born. And, we, and he re, felt that as he came up out of the water. God is the one who gives us breath and a spirit and grace that imbues that spirit. God is the one who gives us the power and calls us into righteousness, right relationship with God and each other. So that through the grace that we received as tiny infants in our baptism, we have the power to bring other people to God, to encourage one another, I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons, those who sit in darkness. And through the grace and power that we receive in baptism, that's our call, to bring people out of the darkness into light, from underneath the water, out into the sunshine. We have that power. I had a very interesting conversation with my daughter-in-law-to-be over New Year's. This is on the way back from the bar about 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> We're arm in arm, and she says to me, what's up with Oprah? I'm like, OK. <laughs> Don't really know. Not really home at 4 o'clock to watch it. I think that show is over anyway. Not, not really sure where this is going. She goes, you know, if Oprah says Paisley Capes, Everyone goes out and gets a paisley cape. Now, for the men, trust me when I tell you, a paisley cape would look pretty gross. I know the women know what paisley is, and thinking about that much paisley over somebody's body is not an attractive thing. So trust me when I tell you, but it's true. If Oprah suddenly says, paisley capes are the way to go, we would all be out there getting them, I'm sure, as disgusting as they may look. and so. This may seem like an odd little story to tell in the midst of this very serious sermon about the grace and power that comes from baptism, but I'm thinking to myself later as I reflected on that conversation, we have so much more to offer than a paisley cape. We have the story of Jesus, the incarnation where Jesus comes into the world to be one of us, to experience human life as we experience it, the ministry of Jesus as he gently leads people in the way of love and peace toward God, and then the agony of the crucifixion leading to the blessed resurrection so that we can live in hope that there is eternal life. It's an incredible, powerful, amazing story that can keep us as we go through life. We all mourn the loss of of, uh, our friend Elaine. And through the, the shepherding of their family, through the process, Amy Yelly and Joe Yelly told me that when Elaine lost her son to a drunk driver and after her husband died of cancer, she was very bereft, full of grief, and they went to her and they said, Mom, what can we do to help you? And she said to them, come to church with me. They weren't going to church. So they started going to church with her. It was the only thing she wanted, the only thing she asked for is come with me to church. So they began attending here. And then as you know, they moved to Webster and they've been going to Good Shepherd in Webster. And Joe said to me, Thank God for the church community. And he had two church communities supporting him through his mother's death, St. Peter's and Good Shepherd. And Lance was here, the priest from Good Shepherd, at the funeral. There were people here from St. Peter's who could make that time, and I know the rest of you kept us in your prayers. And there were people here from Good Shepherd. And thank God Elaine gave them that gift because it's that that will sustain them. They were brought out of darkness into light, where they too could understand that we don't mourn Elaine as people without hope. We mourn Elaine as people who live in the hope of the bodily resurrection, that there is something beyond this life, and we know that through Jesus, there is eternal life. And that's the call to us, is that we have something so important, so powerful, so transforming that we need to help the people who are swimming through the murky water, who are holding their breath, who are almost dying for the moment where they can burst up into the sunlight and all things become new.